Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. If your teen is struggling to cope and you're struggling to help them, this episode is for you. Today, I'm talking to Johnny Crowder, founder and CEO of Cope Notes, about how to combat compassion fatigue and connect with your teen more deeply. Johnny is a 28-year-old suicide and abuse survivor, TEDx speaker, touring musician, and founder of Cope Notes, a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries around the world. Armed with 10 years of clinical treatment, a psychology degree from UCF, and a decade of peer support and public advocacy through NAMI, Johnny's firsthand experience with mental illness equips him to provide insight into the pains of hardship with authenticity and wit. Welcome, Johnny. I am so happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pumped up. Yeah. So tell us first your your story about how you broke into mental health and why you're so passionate about it. Well, the the short version of it is I was the teen. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like if there are parents listening to this, I was your kid. Um, and I didn't really understand what I was going through and a big part of me didn't want to understand it I kind of like um you know you like hear a noise and you don't want to look in the closet like you just think I'd rather just walk out of the bathroom (laughs) altogether and just pretend that it's not there so I was doing that for years and I was hallucinating and self-harming and experiencing disordered eating and um it was a really not pretty um adolescence and childhood. So now, I mean, I went to school for psychology because my curiosity got the best of me, right? I was like, what the heck is happening inside of my brain? And my mom literally forced me to start treatment. So I was like kicking and screaming, dragged into treatment. Um, So first came treatment. That was when I was like 14. And then I started taking college level psychology courses in high school. So it's like 15, 16, 17. And then um, when I was 18, I went to UCF for psychology. And then I thought I wanted to become a clinician, but I thought you can either spend another 10 years in school and waiting to help, or you can be a peer with lived experience and get out into the community now and yeah. use your story to help other people. So I never, ever expected that I would work in mental health ever. It's like the biggest curveball in history, but I'm super thankful to have a part in it. Yeah. And it's, you know, your own experience is what makes you so effective doing what you do because you know what it's like. Yeah, we were talking earlier before we started recording about how a lot of teens feel like it's never going to get better. I wish to God that I could go back in time and show my younger self like a Forbes article of me talking about mental health or a CNN feature of me talking about mental health and be like, see, not only are you healthy, but this wasn't for nothing. 
Right. Like you're going to leverage what you're going through to do amazing things and impact so many people that you don't even know yet. Like, I wish that I could go back and show myself the trajectory that my life would take, but it was honestly, I don't even know if I would have believed it. You I was wouldn't so have. frustrated and hurt. And you could have told me it'll be great when you're 30. And I'd go, I don't want to hear it. You know, that's too far away. Yeah. Too. Right. And, and it is, it's true. And I think, you know, one of the things we were talking about too, is these kids are struggling. Um, it's not an easy process. And a lot of them are struggling in secrecy, especially from their parents, because they don't want to be a burden. They're feeling like they should be able to figure it out. And this <sighs> thing is a lot of times parents too get frustrated because they just want their kids to be okay and they want to fix it and they can't. So how can parents be supportive of their teens especially when we know that they're struggling. Yeah, I want to start my answer by saying that I am not a parent. I have zero children. So I am, if I say stuff, take it with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> I've but never you know what teens need. And yeah. I think that's what's important. What do they need? I would say one specific instance comes to mind. And my mom, God bless her, wanted to help. But I was such a prickly child. I was not easy to, to deal with. And um, I remember my mom, like, sitting down with me and asking. It was breakfast time. It was in high school. So picture it. It's like 6.45 a.m. And I'm this groggy teenager rolling out of bed <laughs> and trying to eat breakfast before I leave for school. And she's like... Uh, and it's dead silent. It's just me and my mom. And then she goes, have you thought about suicide this week? And I'm like, see ya, I'm going to work. And I just completely shut down. And it's not like, not because she, not because I had anything against her, but because I just wasn't, I couldn't talk about it. I wasn't ready. Yeah. And those kind of conversations, I think, I think my mom probably thought I'm helping by bringing it up, but who knows, maybe that Tuesday morning I had gone 45 minutes without thinking about suicide. Okay. So mm -hmm. then my mom asked me about it. I'm like, Oh, what? So what I would always encourage parents to do um, is first of all, see if you can connect outside of that mental health component. Cause what happens a lot of times what I've experienced um, or what I've seen working with parents is parents tend to overestimate the strength of their relationship with their kid during their teenage years. They're like, oh, we hang out all the time. And he, he knows he can tell me anything. But it, during the teenage years is when you, as a teenager, you start questioning everything and you push back on stuff and you're, you're not as um, readily trusting as you might've been when you were younger. So my encouragement to parents is like, instead of going straight for the tough topic, see if you can work on, don't tell them they can talk to you about everything, show them. Yes. So that might be spending time with your kid where you don't mention mental health at all. If they like basketball, you take them to a basketball game. If they like concerts, take them to a concert, like show them through your actions 
that you're in their corner and ask about stuff that does not have to do with mental health. If you show interest in their life, like I used to listen to metal. Oh, well, I still do. But in high school, if my mom were to ask me, um, you know, if there were any concerts coming up that I was really excited about, or, or if a record was coming out soon that I was excited about, and I'd be like, oh, With Blood Comes Cleansing is putting out a new record in a couple weeks, and I'm really excited about that. And if she was, if she showed genuine interest, like, well, what makes With Blood Comes Cleansing better than some of the other bands? And can you show me a song or something? I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. So this third song on the album is like definitely my favorite so far. I can't wait to hear the rest. If you demonstrate as a parent, that you're ready to listen and you're showing interest over an extended period of time, like you sustain that level of demonstrating that you're a good listener about other things. It is much more likely that I would volunteer information. Mom, I'm, I'm feeling really sad and I don't know where it's coming from. I'm much more likely to say that to someone that I've already spoken with about all the other aspects of my life, you know? A hundred percent. And I think that's where, parents kind of we get in this frame of mind that we need to keep parenting and that means making sure their grades they've got good grades making sure they're from point a to point b making mm-hmm. sure they got their clothes on their back and that we're checking in on them and through the teen years you're right the mistrust comes because all of a sudden they don't feel like you care about them you just care about what they're performing their performance and what they're kind of their outside, what it looks like. Um, And so connecting with our kids, you're right, is probably the most important thing to do. And I tell parents, you know, we talk about this a lot, but parents always come back with, but we're so busy. We're, We're too busy. And I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts with being too busy? Well, on one hand, I really empathize with it. Like I'm a business owner, so I will wind up working pretty much 24 seven, but I also am actively working on working less, if that makes sense, because I understand the imbalance. And I would argue um, that you really just have to, it helps to do this visual visually. So even just you doing sticky notes or on a whiteboard or something, just write out all of your responsibilities Like, you know, you might say my career, you might say parenting, you might say um, I volunteer on the weekends, you know, put it, lay out every, even like mowing the lawn, pretty much every task that you're responsible for, and then put them in order of importance. So by importance, I mean, if I, if I lost, I'd rather lose this than this. I'd rather lose this than this. I'd rather lose this than this. And in that hierarchy, it will be much easier to see visually what you should be prioritizing because you're like well this is in sixth place and this is in ninth place so I really shouldn't be prioritizing this over this I think if you just said if I said something like your kids are your top priority it wouldn't land like it would you making a list of your priorities and seeing it physically right in front of you yeah I think that's a really great exercise to do because every parent is going to say their kids are their number one priority and in their hearts, they are. But a lot of times, what we show with our actions doesn't come across that way. And I and think the I think parents work hard to provide for their yeah. kids. A lot of 
situations. So I'm not saying that things like work or your social life or your marriage, those are all super important. Um, I don't mean to come off as like, well, just take Fridays right. off and, and take your kid out to Disney World every Friday. But being able to visually see, like, would I rather have money to provide for my family? Or this is very binary. Um, would I rather have money to provide for my family or a healthy relationship with my family? Yeah. It's, yeah. Stick it's, yeah, it's hard to be like, you have to have one or the other, but it's like, I think the balance, okay. there's got to be a balance, right? And I yeah. think that's where, and a lot of times I'll see people that they don't know how to have a healthy connection and, and relationship. So then they put all their focus on the providing because that they know how to do. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's kind of that, I want to do the right thing, but I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to do this. So how do we have a healthier connection with our teams and healthier communication? Um, I think there's, if I look back on my relationship with my parents, I think there was a lot of assuming and not a lot of like self-education. So I don't mean to like, I'm not trying to throw shade at my parents, but I'll say this. If I was a parent and um, I tried to talk to my teen, they wouldn't budge. I tried to, you know, connect with them and ask them questions and learn about their lives. And I just couldn't break in anywhere. What I would be doing with my time is listening to audiobooks on the way to and from work and listening to podcasts about parenting and reading books about getting through to teens because if your team won't tell you something other people will and you can mm -hmm. still glean from that so it's not a dead end if your team yeah. is shut off from you there are tremendous resources out there books podcasts lectures audiobooks ted talks and every 15 minutes you spend engaging with some kind of self-education content around parenting, I would imagine that it would save you an hour of mm. trying to bust through the brick wall that is your teen right mm. now. Just like plan and strategize, because I will say this, force can work in the short term, but it can damage the relationship long-term. So if you push through that wall and you break it down, you might have you might get through for a week or two and that might be great. But long-term, I think there's a high chance that that teen will remember my mom didn't respect my boundaries. Yeah. You know, even if they don't consciously remember that in the back of their head, they're like, well, the next time I have something I need to talk about, I don't know if I want to go to someone who would break through. Consistency is key. Like what I say um, about faith when people ask me about God, I'm like, imagine God being so unconditionally forgiving that he could call you every day and you ignore his call or you pick up and hang up on him every single day for 25 years. So it's like thousands upon thousands, mm -hmm. tens of thousands of calls. And then um, you call him and he answers. Mm. That is the that's the tough situation parents are in is if your teen shuts down on you every day for years and then one day says, hey, mom, you have to be ready for that, you know? Yeah. And that is, it is so difficult because I think a lot of 
parents, me included, it's, it's easy to take things personally and it's easy to feel very shut out and shunned by your teen. And we kind of trip up over our egos a little bit because then all of a sudden we're like, well, fine, if they're going to be push me away, then I'm going to push them away. Fine. If that's what they want, that's what they'll get. And that is a dangerous place to go. Really dangerous place to go. Because I just remember as a teen too, I was constantly testing my parents to see if I could push them away and how easy it was, which just confirmed my fact that, oh, they don't really care about me that much. They did. They just kept not realizing they were being tested and failing my tests, right? They didn't know. (laughs) So, you know, keeping that in mind of your kids are going to test you. Don't fail the test, right? Stay strong. So the part of this is how do we keep going and staying compassionate with our kids when they are being so mean to us? It's... So this is where uh, every mom and dad watching this is going to roll their eyes right now because they've heard this analogy so many times. It's the oxygen mask analogy. Like you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on that of your son or daughter. I don't like that analogy because it's been used so many times. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know that there's a better one. Like think about it. If someone... I I use this analogy sometimes. So Yao Ming is one of the tallest basketball players ever. He might've been the tallest. So if someone sees Yao Ming and says, "Um, you're short, he'll go, like, I'm not, that's not an insult to me because I know I'm tall. So I'm not even worried about that. But if someone says your haircut is uneven, he might go, really? Is it? Shoot. I didn't even, I should look in the mirror. So he has confidence about one thing so that it doesn't phase him when someone says something contrary to how he sees himself, but he doesn't have as much confidence in the other thing. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement to parents is if you can sow into your own self-worth and educate yourself about parenting, talk to other parents, engage in like regular self-care practices to like boost your patience meter and boost your mood meter and try to get yourself in good mental and emotional shape. It will be much more difficult for a snarky comment from a teen Mm -hmm. to break through your shell because you've worked so hard on strengthening it. If you can build that self-worth and that confidence as a parent, it will protect you from not only from any sort of um, insult or snide comment from your kids, but also it will protect you from your immediate fight or flight reaction to go, you know what? Well, screw you too. I don't need yeah. to talk. If you're confident, you can say, I remember when I was a teen, I know that this is something that is going to require a lot of patience from me as a parent. I know it's not, it's not something that I'm doing right now to cause this. It's my son or daughter is experiencing something right now. And I am a good enough parent to stick it out. I'm not going to take it personally. That takes a lot of self-care and self-worth. So when in doubt, you can't sew into your son or daughter because they won't let you. The second best way is to sew into yourself. Mm. If you're going to shut me out, I'm going to spend an hour working on myself so that I'm stronger for you. Yeah. And, and while doing that, you don't have to shut them out in order to Mm -hmm. take care of yourself. You're just like, okay, that's fine. 
you do what you do you right now. I'm still mm-hmm. here, but I'm going to do what I need to do for me. I, I think that's so powerful. And we do the opposite so often, you know, our kids treat us poorly and then we start treating ourselves poorly and beating oh, yeah. ourselves up and I'm failing as a parent and fine. And, you know, and then we just get completely like I give up to, and it just gets bad. Um, so I love where you're like, okay, instead of taking it so personally and taking it to heart and just being like, fine going, okay, they need, they need their space. I'm going to take that time to help me. And also the magic phrase before we hop off, I can't believe I forgot to say it. (sighs) Almost all I ever wanted my mom or dad to say when I was sharing anything with them. And I did a lot of complaining back then. Um, all I ever wanted to hear my parents say is that must suck because it implies that I'm not crazy for feeling the way that I feel. And the word must means that the parent is assuming they don't know. Like if they say that sucks, it's like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. But if they say that must suck, it implies, well, I can only imagine what that would feel like. And when I imagine that, I imagine that that's really difficult. Just that validation might open a door instead of, and I'm like a fixer. So if someone shares with me, I'm like, oh, well, have you tried this? And I'm very solution oriented. I don't mean to be. And I know a lot of parents are like that too. But if you just bite that tongue when you want to fix something and you just say, that sounds, that just doesn't sound fair. There'd be like, yes, no, it's not fair. Thank you. Like people don't listen to teens. And if they just, what you might be listening to your teen, but if they don't feel like you're listening, it it doesn't matter to them. So if you can say something that communicates to them that you hear them, maybe that's the missing piece. It's not that you're a bad listener. It's that you haven't communicated that you are listening to them. And that's way easier than learning how to listen is learning how to validate. Oh yeah. And the validation is most of the time, the validation is all they're looking for. They're Mm -hmm. not looking for a solution. They're just looking to be told that they're not crazy. And even if you think they are, (laughs) which a lot of parents are like, what? It's true to them. It's their reality. And so validating their reality makes them feel heard. And makes them feel understood. That is so important. I love how you put that because that is, I couldn't agree more. It's so critical. Um, Tell us a little bit about Cope Notes. So the short way of explaining it is Cope Notes uses daily text messages to improve mental and emotional health. And all of the text messages are written by peers with lived experience like me and then reviewed by clinicians and then delivered at random times so that you never know when we will text you or what we will say. But over time, those messages interrupt negative thought patterns and train the brain to think in healthier thoughts. And we, th- we talked about consistency just a minute ago. And that's kind of the ethos behind Cope Notes is imagine you text your teen every single day. You're strong, you're powerful, I love you, you are safe, or whatever you tell your teen. If you text that for 30 days in a row and they don't respond, or they say, shut up, or leave me alone, would you really do it for two years? Every single day, never miss a day, you never miss Easter, you never miss your birthday, you never miss Christmas Eve. Coke Notes was built to provide that consistency. Mm-hmm. 
and interrupt what's called automatic negative thought, which is everybody has it around 80% of our daily thoughts are negative in nature. And cope notes is kind of like derailing those negative thought trains with little interventions. And uh, we, I've had parents buy subscriptions for their kids or buy a family plan for like their spouse and their kids. And then they'll say to me, I've said this stuff to my kids before and they didn't listen when I said it. And then of course, when they get a cope notes text with it, they show me and say, Oh mom, look how cool it is. Like, it's the exasperated parent, like, well, at least you're listening to somebody. <laughs> it's true. Parents always get mad because I'll say something to their teen. They're like, I've told them that 50 times. You say it to them once. And I'm like, because I'm not your, their mom, mm-hmm. right? But you need to say it to my daughter because yeah. to my daughter it doesn't have the same impact, right? So I, I love that. And it's just, it is, it's that consistency and hearing it. And man, we need to use this technology for more positive I I mean, there's so much power in technology and there's so much use of it for the negative. And we just need things like this to counter that. Think of what we can do if we use, use it for good. Be powerful. So Johnny, thank you so much for jumping on. Do you have any last words of encouragement for parents with teens? I would. So I don't know you if you're a parent, like, and you're listening to this, I don't know you personally, but I can say with relative confidence that what your teen is experiencing right now is not 100% your fault. I hear that so often. Parents say, parents will say something like, it's all my fault. So what I'll say is this, you're not a perfect parent. So I'm sure somewhere along the way you contributed to what's going on. But the moment you take 100% responsibility Mm. for someone else's mental health, is the moment you lose the ability to be a good support for them because you're, you feel so guilty. You feel so responsible for Mm. it. So my encouragement to you is imagine, say, what if not all of it was me? Imagine what might be some of the other factors that are playing in, because the more you can, even if you did something wrong and something that you did is affecting this, think to yourself, what if something I do tomorrow or next week or next month makes a massive difference in their trajectory? Like just try to distance yourself from that hundred percent soul responsibility thing. Cause it gets you out of your hurt bubble and allows you to be a better support. Wow. Uh, you said you're not a parent, but man, you gave us some <laughs> amazingly great clarity. And I think coming from it, as not a parent, but from that teen perspective, still remembering that and being able to get through that. This is powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Johnny. I really appreciate you jumping on today. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us, too. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 parenting tips at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies Johnny shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.parentingteens.com askdrcam.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show again. 
While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.